Hello everyone, I'm James and welcome to the Total Water Polo podcast. We are joined today by one of the very best coaches in the women's game. It's the head coach of the Netherlands women's national team, Eva Nudesis. Now, he's a former Greek international himself. He moved to the Netherlands to play for Eid Polar Bears to combine it with his studies. Uh, he then soon became the coach and a keystone of the women's section, both for the juniors and the seniors. He's a fantastic coach. When he inherited the Polar Bears team, they were rooted bottom of the Dutch league. Within a season or two, he took them to the title. And you're going to hear a little bit why and how he managed to do that very, very shortly. Um, I'm really looking forward to this chat, so I want to crack straight on with it. So here's my episode. Here's my talk with Eva Nudesis. Eva Dudesis, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. No worries. What have you been up to? Yeah, just uh, finished training this uh, morning and uh, now return back home. Spend some time uh, at home. Yeah, okay, fine. So we'll, we'll be brief. Um, we've got lots of things to talk about. Um, but firstly, something I do like to talk about with coaches is talk a little bit about their playing career. Um, how did you find your playing career? Oh, it was not, uh, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I cannot say that I'm, uh, fully satisfied, uh, with my uh, career. I played, I uh, started playing at, uh, grateful of uh, being there and, uh, being part of, uh, a family like this, uh, a place where, uh, I made a lot of friends and uh, and started playing water polo and learning the game and enjoying the game. Uh, so this is uh, how it started, definitely. Uh, I spent uh, my career in uh, different places in uh, Greece. So how I said, uh, started playing at Bulgarmeni until I was 23 years old, and uh, there. When I traveled to Hios Island, uh, spending a season there and played for uh, several clubs further like uh, Arvostol in Kefalonia and in uh, Patra. And um, adding the opportunity to train with the national team for uh, two seasons back in 2006-2007 under uh, Sandro Campagna. And uh, yeah, this was it. Nothing special, uh, but uh, a, gr- a period of my life I will never, and I don't want to forget. Okay. Okay. And you, um, you ended up going to the Netherlands. How did how did that come about? Yeah, uh, back in two thousand thirteen, I was uh, busy completing my bachelor, bachelor in uh, media and culture at the uh, Greek University in Athens, combining uh, my bachelor in playing water polo back then, a very nice experience in my life. And then I was, I thought, okay, okay, what is the next step in my life? Uh, I need to, I need 
I need to, to find the next step in my life after water polo. And um, I thought, okay, what about uh, doing a master? So I thought, okay, I'm very interested. I found it more than interesting to attend a master in uh, sport management. And uh, back then there were, I had uh, two options. One of them was uh, studying in London. Uh, you know the place better than me. And uh, the second option was uh, the Netherlands, Amsterdam. And the advantage of choosing Amsterdam was the fact that uh, I could uh, combine playing water polo and uh, doing uh, my master there. So that's why I, did, I relocated in the Netherlands, September 2013. It's almost nine years ago. And uh, I played there for two seasons, played there for two seasons during my master. And I think the season, season 2013-2014 was uh, the last one. I often ask coaches, I often ask coaches um, on the podcast how their playing career uh, informs what sort of coach they are. You've been on the record before saying that you were a lazy player. Is that, is that a fair? Do, do you agree with that? Were you a lazy player? Indeed, indeed. You're right. Indeed, you're right. Um, I used to be a player who was uh, just uh, enjoying the game without uh, trying to to stress to stress my limits, without uh, doing everything. I was just enjoying the game without doing everything to improve and to get better. Uh, even if I grew up in a in a school like in Guilherme, where hard work is one of uh, the values, uh, yeah, I wouldn't define myself as uh, one who did everything. I didn't do everything, and um, and uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm very angry on myself. I'm uh, very angry on myself later on, and um, and on the other way, the, your question is how my player, my playing career, the player ever. Um, Define the coach, Eva. Yeah, I would say that I'm very, very grateful for the mistakes I did uh, as a player. And um, it turns out that uh, this mistake helped me to become uh, a better coach uh, day by day. I am trying to, to, to convince the players, the people that I work with to avoid making the same mistake that uh, mistakes that I did as a player. Obviously, you had a few years off once you stopped playing and then, then you, you coached. Um, did you always think you would coach? I mean, it, hearing that you were maybe a bit lazy and you, you did just enough that you needed to do and nothing more maybe doesn't suit you to be a coach, but obviously that's that's changed now. You're you're probably different in that respect. So, did you always think you were going to be a coach, or did it kind of fall in your lap? Um, yeah, it's a good question. No, and I think that uh, I never, I never expected, I never expected that uh, I be, I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to coach. I, I didn't expect it, even if I have to admit that. Uh, as a player, 
I was uh, reading the game very well. I was uh, being proactive. I was investing uh, time uh, before the games to analyze uh, our opponents and uh, to being able to prepare myself uh, at the best before the game. So I, now that you are asking me, and I'm going back and I'm thinking a little bit, um, there were a lot of coaching um, ingredients, let's say, if it's the right world, uh, back in my playing days. Uh, but I was not expecting uh, uh, that I... I'm going to coach. I not not at all. I don't know if this is strange, but uh, I was not expecting it. Even if I must admit that uh, during my last season of coaching, I started uh, giving some of my trainings for the first time. I remember that uh, Arno Hamenga uh, uh, invited me in Zeist and uh, told me, "Okay, yeah, I show you are doing some uh, interesting things." Is it uh, is it possible to to train to train with me? Uh, to come here at the training, and uh, please, uh, yeah, would you like to share your experiences and in, uh, in terms of technique with uh, with the girls? And uh, I did it, and I thought, oh wow, okay, which is interesting. Uh, why not? But uh, no, no, early at the early stage of my career, I was not uh, expecting that uh, I'm going to become a a coach and I have to be honest that I had the dream to to become a manager a manager I was thinking myself become a football manager like uh, you know like uh, trying to connect uh, uh, footballers with clubs football players with clubs and uh, these kind of things. This was uh, this was my dream. You wanted to be an agent. Is that what you're saying? You wanted to agent. be an agent. Yeah, yeah. I I would love. I uh, I would love to become an agent. I was even uh, looking for opportunities for uh, relative masters and studies. So how 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 can I how how can I get a license? So this was uh, this was a dream I used to have when I was uh, yeah still playing. Okay. Well, we're we're definitely going to talk about that later, and we're we're not going to leave that there. So I've written that down. Yeah, we will talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Do you have Do you have the same? Do I have the same? Is do, it... do you have the same dream, James? Oh, to be to be an agent. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe. Um, um, we'll talk about when you started coaching then, because you. It's my understanding that you were coaching basically the whole of the female section at some point for the polar bears is that correct i started coaching this is the club where i spent the last two playing uh, seasons of my career by at uh, polar bears in ade in the netherlands um i would say that uh, it's my it's my club no no i mean my favorite club it's uh, the place where i spent uh, the last uh, um the last nine years of my life, and uh, it uh, it feels uh, like a home for me. So back in 2015, um, I got the question from uh, the director of the club back then, uh, Sean Schellenberg. Uh, yeah, he told me on his way, Eva, maybe it's a good idea to stop playing. 
And uh, are you maybe interested to, to take over the woman team? Yeah, okay. So, okay, I had already an experience of uh, two, three months giving training in Zeiss. I started, uh, yeah, I started believing, okay, maybe some, this is something interesting for me. I thought, okay, let's uh, give it a try and see how it happens. Maybe it's a good opportunity. Uh, and I did it. I started uh, coaching the uh, women team, polar bears, and being responsible also for uh, the yak team of under seven. Okay, so this is really interesting because this kind of mirrors what you then did with the Dutch national team. But um, I might be right in saying that when you inherited the polar bears, the women's team, they were uh, in a spot of bother. I think it's fair to say they weren't doing too well. They were bottom of the league and you turned the club around and within a season and a half two seasons you were winning the winning the title which um you know if in most sports that'd be made into like a a netflix uh, documentary or or something like this Mm -hmm. um what kind of things what kind of principles did you instill at the club um and you know what kind of culture change did did you have to go through were the players good enough to win the league uh, when you got them, or did you do things differently? What, are you going to give us your secret? Oh, I will not tell you my secret because then it's not a secret anymore. But uh, I, I, yeah, polar bears back then was um, was a team, the woman, the woman team of polar bears, which is actually an historical club in the Netherlands. It's, uh, it's one of the basic pioneers of uh, of the women water polo in the Netherlands last uh, 30 years. And um, it was just uh, a bad period for the club. The, and, you know, in all sports, in all teams, uh, life makes circles. And uh, back then, uh, it was not uh, the biggest, uh, the best period of uh, the history of the club. The team ended uh, three years in a row, the last place in the championship, winning, I think, in total in two seasons, around uh, four or five games. And um, the team needed a change. The the team needed a change. Back then, if I can watch back, I would say that um, the biggest difference is that uh, I tried uh, together with uh, also... Uh, my assistant coach back then, like Kuhn de Wirt, with who is actually now the coach of the team, of the women team. Uh, we tried to establish, let's say, a top sport culture. A culture of, um, yeah, that, uh, yeah, we want to train more. We want to do more. We want to expect more from ourselves. More, more, more. You know, and I would say that um, we tried to convince the team to stay humble. Uh, Stay hungry, have fun, and uh, and be a better version of yourself day by day. So this is what uh, we did actually. I remember back then uh, there was um, even if that the women team was uh, nah not very good back then. I remember that uh, the previous coach um, had had. Uh, Mickey, I remember Mickey van der Sloot, also uh, ex-international of uh, the Dutch water polo team. 
and back then there was a very successful uh, under-17 team. Under-17 with the players who took over the chance directly that season, even if they were 16 years old, 16, 17 years old, they took over uh, the women team and uh, we started building, 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 uh, day by day. And uh, I remember that the end of the, the first half of the season in January, we, not January, even earlier, uh, some really young players of 15 years old, 15 years old, if I'm right, yeah, 15 years old were Nina, Tim Brook, and uh, Simona van der Kraut, uh, Cynthia Mulder uh, made their debut uh, back then in the team. And um, and the rest is uh, history. The rest is uh, history. It took us some months. The first months were really, really difficult, um, even for the team, but even for me, because in my mind, I thought that, uh, yeah, I was... Uh, yeah, I would think uh, yeah, between uh, Adam Kuykori and back then, uh, it was standard. <laughs> I thought that I was ready to be the best coach uh, ever, which, uh, which yeah, which uh, was not uh, a thing back then. So it took us some months. Yeah, that's really interesting because what you're talking about there is you wanted to change the culture, you wanted to implement a you know an elite um uh, environment for your players and you said that you had a really good under 17 team um and this is very very similar to i guess what we're seeing now with the dutch national team because you were obviously uh in charge of the the junior national teams um for the netherlands and i mean i've got a list of about 10 players i could rattle off um players that were with you for under 17s under 19s who are now in the first team? So, um, how how would how useful would you say it is for coaches to progress with the players from such an early age, leading into a three or four year cycle to transition them into the first team? That it's uh, crucial, and uh, without any uh, without the right process, uh, I would say that it would be naive being really uh, it's, it's impossible let's say in easy words it's impossible to set up a process a successful process at the senior level without having the fundamentals uh, behind and this is uh, yeah seems easy but it's not uh, easy at all I would say that it's uh, simple but it's uh, quite uh, difficult to to pay the right attention so being able to let's say to invest to invest for years for years for years having in your mind yes it's okay it will be okay over some years uh, we see the results of uh, this process and now we are there with the national team it's um there are a lot of years a lot of years of investing uh, until we see the result at the national level, international level. I mean, you're you're on the record of saying uh, in an interview, it's not like you wake up one day and play at the World Championships. It's a process that started at the under 17. So, if if coaches from other teams maybe 
not professional teams or even players uh, be interested in, you know, living a high performance lifestyle at a club and achieving stuff with their club. Um, how how important would you say it is to trust trust young players in the in the way that you have at Polar Bears, but also the national team? I would say that um, you need to, to find the, the right balance. I think that uh, you need to find the right balance, but uh, investing time at uh, the young players, it's uh, the most uh, interesting thing uh, a coach can do. You know, watching a young player doing uh, uh, his or her best and improving uh, day by day and uh, doing things that uh, a week, a month, a year earlier would be like uh, a dream. You know, the satisfaction of a coach is uh, it's, it's, it's something incredible. It's even, I would say, because let's uh, see in perspective, that I would say that um, uh, the satisfaction of uh, seeing a young player developing as a player, but uh, also as a person, is uh, if I could choose between a medal or this, I would choose for uh, yeah for the talent. Interesting. Well, we might hold yeah. you to that if you miss out on a medal next time around. Maybe. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did. At at, at club level, I would say that at the club level, I think that uh, my I remember uh, losing. Uh, a championship, the first final we played with Polar Bears back in uh, 2000, uh, the season of 2016-17, um, my second my second season at uh, my spell with at Polar Bears. I remember losing the final in uh, Ade, and uh, yeah, returning back home and saying, "Okay, this this had to happen. We needed to lose this final, and uh, yeah, next year, next year start for us." Wow, very spiritual. Right, we'll, we'll talk about the Dutch senior national team then. You obviously told us that uh, Arno invited you to Zeist um, for your ideas and to assist him. Mm. Obviously, um, he's now gone and you are now the head coach. Um, firstly, being the assistant coach and then being the head coach, um, did you feel you had to change anything in your uh, your personality? or your character or the way that you coach to be perhaps more authoritative or, you know, to, you're now, now you're not the, the, the guy that sits on the bench. You're now the guy standing up on the pool side. Did you have to change anything? Yes. I needed to change my haircut because it became much more gray than uh, being an assistant. So, yeah, this was the first thing that uh, I had to change. Because um, being being an assistant, being a coach, a head coach is a really, let's say, a demanding job. It's a really demanding job, and um, you know, being an assistant coach it gives you the the opportunity to to observe, to observe, and uh, realizing, learn, and realizing how uh, the system works, how uh, does a program work? So it's like um, being an assistant has really a lot of uh, responsibilities, and uh, but it's not like uh, being a head coach. 
being a head coach is a place of responsibility. You are responsible for a program like this. But um, let's be honest, it's a, it's, it's a dream job. It's a dream job. The first months I started uh, my spell of the national team as a head coach started uh, last October. And uh, it took me at least three months. I think it was October, November, December, January. End of January, I had a conversation with uh, the rest of the staff and I thought, okay, oh my God, uh, what am I doing here? I, I need uh, to take responsibility and take control. So it took me at least three, four months until I realized that, uh, that uh, I'm there to... Yeah, I, I need I need to get responsibility. I need to inspire uh, everyone who is uh, next to us. Do you do you think it took you three months or however long it it took um, to adapt um, to no longer being the guy with the nice long non grey hair on the bench to now being the guy that's responsible? Did you did you not realize that you were the head coach in, in in some way? Was 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 it that was that it after being the assistant coach for so long? I realized I I, I realized directly from the first moment, and uh, you know it's uh, it's a great honor and uh, responsibility, and uh, you know it's like it's like a it's like a dream, it's like a dream, but um, yeah, the, the day by day you realize that um, yeah. It's uh, it needs it needs a lot of a lot of time, and you know, being the head coach in the Netherlands, it's not uh, like a being co being a head coach in another country in Europe or in uh, in America overseas. You know, the, the program in the Netherlands, the program of uh, the national team, it's a weekly program, so it's not like uh, uh, gathering the team. Uh, before the World Championship and uh, following an intense program, uh, the program in the Netherlands is weekly. We train, so we train on every Monday, every Wednesday, and every Friday. So the the weekly routine starts directly. And uh, yeah, this for me, I needed time at the beginning. Uh, I needed time at the beginning to realize that uh, being a head coach doesn't mean that. Uh, Everything gonna work at the autopilot. Yeah, you need being there. You need being there to inspire uh, 20, uh, 20 women per day. Being there to inspire uh, all our staff um, every day. And this for me was a new experience because I have never been in this uh, situation never in my life until now. So yeah. It took me a bit more than three months to make some mistakes, and uh, and uh, yeah, day by day. Also, I have to be honest with you; I learned something day by day. If I may, if I may uh, bring it up, you just said there that the program in the Netherlands is not like others. You train weekly, maybe three times a week. Um, that is that's quite unusual, I think, uh, during season um, to, to have that kind of program. Um, you've said before that you don't feel the national team uh, is a club and it shouldn't behave like a club um, but that in itself is very similar to what a club would do maybe a little bit less but still 
training three times a week with the national team. I think lots of national team coaches would would bite your arm off to to have that um, have that opportunity. But um, do do you think this is the best way, or would you would you want to change how often you you train with with the national team, or or change the setup a little bit? This is a very, very interesting question that uh, I would love to answer to you. Um, okay. Uh, in the Netherlands, are responsible for the development of the high elite uh, starters uh, is uh, the national team. The players, all players, train, uh, I think, around all, all of that. Clubs are, let's say, outdoor clubs. All players train around uh, three, four times per week with uh, their club. And uh, this is, as you know, uh, not uh, enough amount of rare trainings to achieve uh, the top. Uh, that's why uh, the Dutch Federation set up a lot of years ago a wiki program to cover uh, the needs of uh, all players of all international players uh, and uh, the size of the country gives us the opportunity to follow a weekly program every three days three mornings at least per week so in that way we make it to create an environment where uh, all sporters uh, develop and uh, improve and uh, as you see last uh, years achieve the uh, yeah the top of per world so the International program is uh, a basic need, let's say. It's a mandatory in the Netherlands. Something that you don't see often because in the rest of the Europe, uh, the clubs, all clubs, uh, have uh, already an established full-time program. And uh, the national team uh, is not directly responsible for um, the development of the players. Yeah, so this is our way. This is uh, how we do it. We open that full-time program in combination with the club. Yeah. Um, okay, and I I don't necessarily want to um, want to go into some some disagreements that people may have had in the Netherlands, but obviously um, there are a large number. There are a lot of very talented players that aren't playing in the Netherlands. And so they obviously won't be able to train with you when you put on this weekly program. Um, I guess it's it's you know it's a, it's a way up that you have. If they're playing in the top leagues, that's good. That's good for them. That's good for the yeah. development. Obviously, then obviously not training with you in the Netherlands. What's your uh, what's your kind of outlook on on this? Would you encourage all of your players to play abroad in? Uh, leagues that, with respect to the Netherlands, that are, are better than, than the Dutch league. Um, 
I support them to make their own choices. And I support them. I, 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 we agreed when, uh, when uh, I took over some months ago, uh, we talked with all of them in uh, one of our first meetings. And uh, it sounds like they asked me, what is your opinion about uh, the Olympic season? What do you expect from us? Do you expect us to, to return back in the Netherlands or, um, or not? So yeah, I explained to them that uh, you you can do you can take your 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 choice. You choose. It's your choice. It's your choice where you want to when you prefer to develop as a player. Uh, if you prefer staying abroad and playing abroad and uh, return back when we start the basic uh, preparation for the tournament, then do it. If you choose to to stay in the Netherlands, combining uh, a program uh, in Zeist, which honestly at the Olympic season it's a bit more intensive. So we you know we we train more in Zeist and even less, one two three times per week uh, with uh, the club. Yeah, it's your choice. No, we can we cannot uh, define and uh, we we cannot make a choice as a coach is for a player where where someone wants to play if you prefer to play abroad yeah go abroad okay just just one more thing before we we talk about um the future going forward um with the national team it's, it's quite obvious that you command a really deep respect from your players professionally uh, and also on a personal level as well i mean uh, simone was on the podcast speaking about how helpful you were. Um, I know Iris Wolves has been on record saying uh, you massively improved her as a player. But there's there's a story I would just like you to maybe tell us about with Laura Arts, who um, obviously was in goal for a period of time and, and left the team. We don't need to talk about that. But uh, is there a story about pancakes that you can maybe tell us? Oh, yeah. Yes. The pancakes. Um... I think people would like to hear this. Uh, I love pancakes. I love I love pancakes and uh, I love uh, brainstorming and uh, and socializing. I love uh, drinking coffee with people who share um, same passion with me and uh, talking about uh, waterfall and life. So yeah, so back uh, some months ago uh, when I took over uh, as a head coach of the team. Thinking about the future, we see. Uh, I thought, okay, why Laura Art is not in this thing? How is possible that? Uh, how is possible that she's not here? So there was an incident that in 2019 that uh, I would prefer not to analyze again. I think. Uh, we read a lot, uh, a lot of interviews, and we talk a lot about it. Uh, I got in contact with uh, Laura, and I proposed, "Okay, let's um, let's uh, spend some time." And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing how you're doing and uh, how you're doing with your life, how you're doing with your studies, how you're doing. So we set up uh, and um, we had a sort of date. And, uh, 
we thought about uh, going to drink coffee or uh, or spending some time at a really nice panico, uh, rest of panico we call it in the Netherlands, a restaurant in uh, which is next to the pool. And we talk about a few where I asked her, and then I asked her, Laura, give me one reason of uh, not playing for, for the national team. So, yeah, she was thinking about it. I told her, yeah, take, take your time, think about it. And uh, we can, uh, we can, uh, yeah, we can uh, talk about it in a couple of weeks. She took her some days. Maybe some hours and spoke about and yeah, spoke games of and not missing. But I laid for it, and uh, then uh, Laura Arts was uh, back. But yeah, indeed, okay. uh, you're right. I love oh because of pancakes. I love I love pancakes. We love pancakes. I wish I wish my coaches would take me for pancakes. Yeah. Um maybe maybe we'll organise something soon. Maybe but it's 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 good obviously because Laura is one of the best goalkeepers in the world and she was voted MVP of several tournaments and as you said it's it's a bit crazy that she wasn't in the team, but we don't need to rehash that. But I'm glad that it just goes to show that how your the you know, your personal skills um and respect and you know even doing something simple like going out for a coffee and having a chat with the players um is working for you but we'll we'll talk more about going forward with the dutch national team you have at your uh, disposal a really colorful um talented squad great shooters center forwards as we've just mentioned one but a really solid group of goalkeepers you're contracted until the Paris Olympics. Um, so I guess I'd be asking, what are your specific goals for this current group of players within the next cycle? Okay, this is a very good question. I understand that uh, that our uh, our sport is uh, def- defined from uh, Olympic uh, cycles. And uh, I I agree and I understand it, uh, but uh, the national team in my eyes is uh, a uh, continuously process. It's a continuously process um, which never stops, which never 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 stops. So, for me, what is my goal? Yeah, my goal is uh, to keep the tradition uh, of the Dutch water polo and uh, remain uh, on uh, the top uh, of the world uh, on uh, a way that uh, I believe is the right way. And the right way is uh, by staying uh, humble, uh, staying hungry at the same time, uh, having fun and uh, trying to become day by day better, better. Every day, every day. So I would say this is what um, I have in my mind of uh, this team, and uh, and I know that uh, our uh, sport 
is defined of uh, how much you win or uh, what what you win and when you win and understanding. And uh, let's uh, say that um, I understand that uh, the expectations are very high. Yeah, it will always be. You know, they say pressure is a privilege and uh, we accept this and uh, we will keep working to to achieve our goals. And even if uh, this is, even if it's a medal, yeah, perfect, perfect. But uh, yeah, we have to understand that um, our time in uh, this process is uh, limited. Our time is limited and uh, the biggest uh, contribution for uh, for me is, um, is uh, to make sure that uh, we will um, how do you call it? Tra- transmiss, transmiss the flame of uh, of this of the of the of the Dutch dream to all the younger players, all these girls that uh, uh, who are 13, 15, uh, 17 years old, and uh, they arrive and they train in Zeiss, uh, even uh, weekly, uh, not in a full-time program apparently. But um, that they dream to play one day for the national team, and, uh, yeah. and my my goal, my my highest, let's say, purpose in this team is uh, to make sure that this transmission uh, will like, keep going from generation to generation. Let's say from uh, Yasmin Smith some some years ago to Dasman Sene from Songhorst or my nomi Songhorst to yeah to Sabrina Hanneslot and they keep going they keep going now we are so our goal is uh, to to inspire the youngest uh, generation and let's say uh, for this period of our uh, of our team uh, our goal is uh, to stay at top stay on top to, to establish a, a winning culture step by step and uh, to continue like this uh, until uh, the Olympics. Okay, beautifully put, um, superbly put. Just before we go to the Q and A, obviously, immediately in the future, we have the European Championships. Um, what are your expectations for that? How are you going to prepare for this? And um, is the gold is the gold yours? Um, yeah, it's it's a really let's be honest. Let's be honest. Eh? It's a crazy season. Eh? It's a crazy season. You are, we are asking uh, all players, all sporters, uh, men or women, uh, to compete uh, around uh, uh, let's say the women around eighty games. They are at eighty games per year. In the men who played even at the the Champions League, the final league. They play around uh, yeah. 100 years, 100, so it seems like 100 years, but 100 games this season. So, we, there are a lot of uh, special, let's say, uh, situations this season. There is a long club season, there is a world championship, and a short period between the world championship and the European championship. And um, as long as we are done, in uh, September, uh, with, the, with the European Championship, uh, around two months later, 
it's the World League, the Super Final. End of November. So it's a really challenging, challenging season. And, um, and uh, what we do is that uh, after the end of the World Championship, uh, we spent uh, we spent two weeks not together. The girls had uh, vacation; they enjoyed their time, and we gathered um, on uh, not last Monday, but the week before. Uh, we gathered uh, for first time after two weeks in uh, really picturesque uh, villas on the north of the country in Doku. And uh, we spent uh, we spent four days uh, together with the team, and uh, we started step by step uh, our process uh, towards the European Championship, uh, which is yeah, let's say uh, the second big goal of the team, a very important moment in our process, but also it's um, a chance for us to. To be together with uh, the girls who a lot of them play abroad and um, set uh, the fundamentals, set uh, also the basics, define uh, our needs ahead uh, also next year's. So it's a tricky period for us because uh, we would prefer for the European Championship, which is a European Championship a great moment it's like a dream and uh, but uh, we prepare also for uh, the next challenges it's uh, coming ahead the next 50 years okay, okay. Look, we'll, we'll leave it there Eva and we'll come back with uh, some questions that people have sent in on social media yes Welcome back to part two of the Total Water Polo podcast. We're here with uh, Eva Dudesis. And this is the part, Eva, where we put questions that people have sent in via social media to you and you uh, you answer them, hopefully. So we'll start off with the question we ask all of our guests. We ask them to give their ultimate team, their total seven players, a squad of, of seven starting players, players you've played with or against or coached, if you like, we've actually never had a, a mixed team. If you wanted to go mixed, or you can just go female, however you prefer. So, um, if you've got a total, I actually do have to say as well for the listeners um, that you were the only person that's actually been uh, in contact before to ask what some of the questions might be. So, I'm hoping that mm-hmm. you've got seven prepared, and I hope um, I hope you're going to give me seven seven of the best. Okay, so the best thing, uh, yeah, okay, good question. Um, I will not uh, choose the uh, players of uh, that team. Uh, I will exclude it from my, ex- exclude them from uh, my, <laughs> from my best team. Um, further, I would uh, go for Ashley Johnson in the goal. And, um, Jordan Rainey as the defender. Um, on the right side, 
let's say about uh, Halligan from Australia and um, Forca, let's handle. I think we are not bad until now. Um, on the left side, let's say about um, Mehdi Musulman and uh, Rita Kesterly. Okay, that's a that's an awesome tip. Let, There's a lot of it's not bad. No, I think I think I think we need a, a center. I think we need a good center and um, a lot of good options. Let's say my maybe Senaki from Greece or Parks from Hungary. Um, Let's say Parks. I like it. Parks that's, from that's from New Zealand. Thing. Playing playing for yeah. playing for Hungary. Hungarian, Hungarian, I think Hungarian. Um, what? No, that's Hungarian. a that's an awesome team, and it it, it should have been. It doesn't matter. No, it's all right. It's all right. All right it's all right. Okay, we'll move on. Right, right. We've got a question. We've got a question here from Lise underscore CR. What makes a well-rounded water polo player, in your opinion. Okay. I think it's a, yeah, this is, this is a very good question. I think it's a very good question. I think that what makes an uh, absolute great player is... Um, I think all the those who play at the highest level, I think they are all of them they are obsessed. They are they they are obsessed with the game. You know, they are they are dreaming about it. Uh, they they visualizing all day. They are spending uh, they are enjoying enjoying being part of um of a process which um uh, asks a lot but uh, gives a lot uh, back. So I would say that one characteristic of um, uh, the top players is uh, a culture of obsessiveness. And the rest, yeah, if we talk about um, technically, I would say that um, uh, I would say that the first step is, uh, you know, learning uh, swimming uh, on the right way being fast being strong being the uh, explosive um being able to to change your game constantly being 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 able to understand and being proactive to to constantly change and uh, develop so i hope this is a good answer yeah yeah it is I know some coaches don't like to single out players, so you don't have to answer, of course, but you spoke about being obsessed or, or visualizing and, you know, living living the sport. Who, for you, maybe someone you've coached or someone that you know about who's currently playing, is the most obsessed or obsessive, I should say, player that you, you've encountered? That's a good question. I would say that... Um... Uh, yeah, 
I think that uh, again, I I would like to avoid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is no. I will be on. I think that Vivian Sevenit, um, Rita Kesteli, um Maggie Stephens, um. Sabrina van der Sloot, uh, they are Simone van der Kraat, but um, also I can talk about more, I would say. You just got uh, a nice... Yeah, yeah, I, have, I, have, I, will, I, I can keep going, yeah? I can keep going. I think, uh, uh, yeah, who, who else now? I can talk about it, about this all day. Uh, I think Michael Garcia. I think all these players they live for water polo. You know, they they it's like um, how do you call it? It water polo. It's uh, it's not anymore the second nature for all of them. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. enough. Okay, we we will avoid listing. All the top players in the world, otherwise we could be on for a yeah 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 yeah. Okay, moving on. Uh, Alexandros uh, Chatsiladis asks: Does Eva have tips for short people defending and shooting? I'm sure um, Alexandros didn't mean any offence in suggesting that you were really really short. But um, do you have any tips for this? Yeah, drink more milk. Drink more milk. Yeah, I I don't know if you know there is a great uh, Greek uh, player uh, who ended uh, his uh, career this year. Um, Eighty five born, played a lot of years for the Greek uh, national team, or for, started his career at Hania in Creta. His name is uh, Manolis Milonakis. He's um, an incredible player, you know, a, 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 a guy of uh, around, um, I don't know, around uh, 70 kilos, uh, who who is not really big, but uh, also for Agelos Vlachopoulos, also Greek player who defined uh, the game last uh, year, uh, because all these players, short players like uh, you know, like I am, uh, realized that um, size, yeah, doesn't matter. This in in this case, and um, as long as uh, we are sure, uh, we need to 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 work harder. You know, on on a moment. You forget about your size, and you realize that uh, uh, you learned to work harder, harder than the rest, non-stop, using your legs, and uh, not even uh, missing on leg day, or don't uh, uh, underestimate the the um, the value of the training, because um, honestly, it's a sport for a big guy. 
and uh, girls, but uh, those who realize what can a short guy can uh, contribute in this game, yeah. So those who realize it, they can make really the difference. Indeed, you have seen last year we talk about uh, Scarte, we talk about uh, Perone, we are talking about um, Vlahopoulos and um, Azevedo, some years ago from uh, USA, was uh, they were great players, were the best. And at the women, don't forget about um, Kylie Newsol from America some years ago. Uh, she decided to quit the game. It was a player who who played on the right side of the game, a short one, who a really hard worker, who was so smart and she defined the way of uh, playing the position. So, yeah, but keep working, keep working, keep working. Great advice, great advice. Okay, we'll go on to the next one. Um, what one thing does the Dutch league need to do to become more professional? Okay, this question comes from the Netherlands, I think. And uh, I would say that um, the that, Dutch that league... That, the first, my first reaction is that uh, it's um, a triangle, a, a triangle of uh, reasons uh, and things that we need to improve in the Netherlands. Uh, um, one of them, we need to invest in a good uh, coaches. We need to improve the level of um, the trainers in the Netherlands. Number one. Uh, the second one, uh, the teams need to train more. Train more. We are training now. We train around uh, three. The, 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 the average Eredivisie, as we call it, uh, club, train uh, three to four times per week. So this is not enough. This is not enough. And then the third one, the third one, um, I think that uh, all the clubs in the Netherlands need to invest. It's a combination of the first two. They need to uh, invest time and uh, money uh, to all the youth teams. They need to have coaches. They need to have enough training um, moments per week to set the basics and the fundamentals so over par years over several over some years the level of uh, the highest competition in the Netherlands becomes better so I would say this is it um, invest in good trainers invest in uh, more training moments and uh, invest in the development of uh, young players Okay, David, and I'm glad I'm glad you summarised it for me at the end, so I don't have to repeat it. Um, okay, we'll move on. We've got a question here from Lars Tenbrook, um, someone you know quite well. Um, what was your goosebump slash favourite moment at the World Championships in Budapest? And um, you can't say me interviewing you after every game. Indeed, so you answer for me. 
James, you were you were my good friend. Um, okay, this is a good question. Um, this is a good question. Uh, I would say that um, the moment uh, when uh, it was after after the last game of the game, uh, I was sitting on um, with uh, Richard Panek, uh, um, our assistant coach, and uh, yeah. Uh, very, very good friend of me and a great uh, coach and um, we decided to spend uh, some time together and take a ride with um, some uh, bicycles uh, we, you can find in uh, in Budapest where you can sit behind and uh, they can uh, it's like a taxi so we we decided okay let's go out for uh, for a walk, we ended um, uh, riding a bike bike taxi and uh, having uh, around in uh, in Budapest uh, later on uh, after the end of uh, the finals and uh, yeah, it was a moment where we realized uh, that oh yo, we played uh, the first our first world championship and uh, we won. Uh, uh, medal. We won a medal at the World Championship, and it was. Uh, yeah, my answer can be, uh, uh, yeah, a bit uh, boring, but it was a moment that uh, we reflect a bit, and uh, we were with the two of us. We talked a lot about uh, uh, the process until now, um, and we thought, oh my God, and uh, it's uh, it was a good ride until now, and uh, let's uh, keep it going in the future. Or so, yeah. And and the second, and the, there was another good moment during the press conference. When uh, we were at the press conference, uh, next uh, to next to Adam was there and uh, Attila, the coach of uh, Team USA in Hungary, but also uh, Kestelin, Mike Stephens, and um, Sabrina van der Sloot. And they were sitting on the left side of the table. And uh, I checked on the right, and I saw all of them. And I thought, wow, what am I doing here? So, yeah, well, it was a good moment also. Yeah, well, you yeah. deserve the beat. You de you work mm -hmm. those, uh, the seat with those uh, with those players and coaches. So, yeah, no, they're, they're two, two nice moments. I think everyone can uh, agree with that. Um, I've, got a, I've got a question, actually, for you. Yeah, tell me. Um, one thing you kept saying to me, after I would badger you and pull you aside and say, oh, give us a quote and shove a phone in your face. Um, you would constantly say to me that you had been preparing your team to win games in the second half or in the third and fourth quarter of matches. Um, how do you train for that? How do you how do you get your team to train for that? I'm sure all the teams are trying to win the games at all times, but how do you train specifically to out-muscle and um, use the stamina and, you know, the endurance. How, how do you train for that? I think uh, I think it's a combination. I think uh, it's a combination of, uh, of everything, what uh, you can imagine. I think you, you can answer uh, the question on your own, I think. But I think that uh, what I would say that makes a difference is to... 
to control your uh, mental, the moment where you peak mentally. I think that the, 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 this is the most important thing, to control your mental peak during the game. And, uh, and I think that, uh, yeah, this is not, uh, uh, this is, uh, yeah, at the, at the end of the game. And this is what uh, we are trying to do, uh, during uh, the training process. And, uh, this is what uh, we trying to do, um, in all the preparation before, uh, tournament, trying to control our mental peak during the game. You, you've, you've said that, um, trying to control your mental state during the game. Do you work on this with your players? Um, when you train, do they have a psychologist that they sit down with or is there team building exercises or, or something like this? Definitely. Definitely. We spent, we spent a lot of time together and, uh, we spent a lot of expertise. Uh, at the, that the we can use like a, a, a mental expert and um, everything that uh, you can imagine. You know, it, it's exactly what you say. It's a combination of um, of uh, yeah of all of these uh, aspects of the game, physical, mental, uh, and uh, you, you need to. You need to you need to to know you need to learn uh, the needs of everyone the needs of everyone the priorities of every player it's not like um, it's not like uh, math that uh, one plus one okay it makes two no it's uh, a long process of knowing each other it's a long process of um, trying trying to make a puzzle puzzle of um, yeah, and this is the team, and this and this makes, and this makes. Um, sometimes you will hear it a lot. They a lot of times a lot of coaches uh, said, "Okay, and um, enjoy the process, leave the process," and uh, this is uh, this is what they mean. Enjoy the process, leave the process, because uh, and sometimes it's uh, more important than uh, the journey. It's more important than uh, the destinations. We've got um, got two more questions. Um, one of them um, is another one f from us. Um, what do you think your team, your current team, the Dutch women's senior national team, what do you think their biggest strengths are at the moment? Mm, good question. Um, the strength of the Dutch team... Um, I think that um, I think that uh, mentally we are uh, we are getting uh, we are getting strong. We are getting uh, strong mentally, and I think that uh, this is uh, this is something. This, this is my first reaction. Okay, if you tell me, okay, what about with that thing? I think it's uh, a team which uh, constantly. Uh, grow, grow, grow up mentally. Grows up mentally. Okay, okay, good. And and the last the last thing from us, um, we ask a lot of our guests this: 
um, to tell uh, to tell our listeners about uh, their their a bit about them privately that maybe they don't know is in your hobbies and stuff obviously um you i found out the other day that you are you're expecting a child and obviously congratulations on that that's um that's very exciting but what what other things have you got going on what other things do you do to relax and to try and grow back some of that hair that you lose from when you're coaching mm. yeah um as we, as you know i live in the netherlands uh, last uh, nine years. So, um, what is uh, my one of my biggest hobbies is uh, communicating with uh, my family. I spent, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time uh, calling with my brother. My brother is also coaching uh, in uh, Greece, uh, Petros, in uh, the under 17 team of uh, Rifava. And uh, we spend a lot of time, uh, even daily, we spend a lot of time uh, brainstorming. I would say that um, he's uh, one of uh, my two mentors as a, as a coach. He's my brother. I trust him uh, a lot. And um, we spend a lot of time. I spend a lot of time with him daily, uh, calling, talking, brainstorming, uh, agreeing, disagreeing <laughs> about uh, a lot. And uh, further, um, um, uh, yeah, I live with uh, my girlfriend uh, in a small village. No, no, it's a small town, let's say. I'm getting bigger, actually. Uh, eight day in the Netherlands, uh, and uh, we spend a lot of time together enjoying this uh, magnificent uh, period of uh, pregnancy. We, as you said, we expect our, uh, our first, uh, our son in uh, the beginning of uh, November uh, now actually uh, preparing uh, making the camera they're making the baby camera uh, room or maybe making the baby room on um, yeah I uh, okay I plan uh, yeah I plan this uh, next period to to invest uh, some time uh, coaching uh some uh, young uh, uh, girls team of uh, under 13 uh i think it's for me time even if i'm uh, yeah quite young uh, and at the beginning uh, of my coaching career i think it's important to to give back to return to the water polo community and um yeah and this is uh, what i'm doing Okay, great stuff, great stuff, Ava, and uh, obviously we wish you and your girlfriend all the best with that, and uh, thank you so much for taking the time out um, to join us today, and we will uh, no doubt catch up in Split. Definitely. James, thank you, thank you for everything that uh, you do for uh, our magnificent sport all these years. Thank you, it's, uh, it's great, you're doing a great job. Thank you very much. So that was Ava Dudesis. Um deeply passionate about the sport um and a really really top-notch coach and you can see that with his track record not only with the polar bears but also what he's doing now with the dutch national team really really top work and uh, i hope you enjoyed uh, our conversation just there i didn't mention it at the beginning um so your treat for reaching me this far in the podcast is that you get to hear me tell you that there's 10 percent off 
at Wear Water Polo with our discount code podcast ten. You know what it is? It's podcast ten uh, at the checkout. Whip it into uh, into the little box, and you'll get ten percent off your next order. And if you can, I've noticed on our uh, Spotify and also on other other platforms, the reviews have gone up. Um, the followers have gone up. I really, really appreciate that. It helps us to make the show a, a bigger uh, a bigger spectacle for you guys. So thank you so much for that, and um, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with another big guest from the water polo world. But thank you for joining us. Take care.